coming up on episode 103 of Appetite for Distortion. Speaking with legendary drummer Carmine Apice, of course from Vanilla Fudge, he is re-releasing his brilliant Guitar Zeus album, which features some of the most influential and notable names on guitar, including Slash, and the re-release is going to include a new track with Bumblefoot. So we'll be talking with Carmine and reading your fan mail. Welcome to the podcast. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? This is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. It is Brando, episode 103. Thanks to all of us who, who joined us uh, for the last episode and joining us now, whether you found us through the iHeartRadio app, through AlternativeNation.net, thanks to UltimateGuitar.com for making an article about the last episode. More about that in just a moment. Um, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube. Google Play, however you found us. Glad that you're here. Really, really appreciate it. And I also appreciate that you guys uh, like some of my stupid sound effects, and I know I haven't done this in a while. News! I know. I guess just the last few episodes, to me, just didn't need a shotgun news. I don't know. I'm the producer. I guess there are no rules to it, but I... I like making it kind of like a radio show segments instead of just a straight up interview. But I don't know. The last few I guess felt didn't need it. And plus doing this podcast every week or so, I mean, you're not going here for your news. We're going here for fun conversation, perhaps sometimes about the news. Uh, but I'm thinking going forward, what to do with Shotgun News is to call it uh, kind of like a bulletin board for, for you guys. Whatever you want to post. You know, whether it's something you send in on Facebook, something you send in on Twitter, um, whether it's about the show, whether it's about a certain episode, whether there's a charity event in your area that you want people to know about, you know, anything. Just, you know where the bulletin board is, no matter where you are in the world, you know. It's where you find guitar lessons and babysitters and all that good stuff. So anything, you know, and of course, funny, maybe GNR news stories or, or facts maybe you want to bring up, we'll do that too on, on Shotgun News. So first item on the agenda of Shotgun News, thanks to AlternativeNation.net and Brett for first transcribing a part of my interview with Alan Niven. I uh, spoke about the kind of off-head comment. A lot of us believe it, you know, that ACDC, all the surviving members are back together again, have been recording. Uh, but Axel, uh, excuse me, Alan feels that Axel uh, still may go on tour with them, feeling that it's that's the rumor he heard. Yes, as UltimateGuitar.com pointed out, yes, Alan is not the current manager of Guns N' Roses. He is not the current manager and never, never was of ACDC. But you know how incestuous, you know, however you, you interpret that word, uh, is in the music industry. They, people know people. Word gets around. You know how Guns N' Roses reuniting or three-fifths reuniting was one of the worst kept secrets. So you never know. Um, a lot of you I see comment that Alan is uh, full of shit. I suppose when he eats Taco Bell and White Castle, sure. Um, I guess I guess go by what he says. 
you know, and if it and they go by, I go by my guests. That's that's my stance. I think, as one fan one once put it, the AFD show is like the the Switzerland of uh, of gossip. I guess leave me out of it, <laughs> unless you fuck with me, then I come after you. That's another problem. That's another problem. So, uh, thanks for making an article about that. But I, I want to say thanks to all of you because, yeah, we've had articles kind of go viral and th- uh, right down the hall, uh, Q1043.com or Q1043. I got in radio uh, website mode, but Q1043 right down the road, <laughs> right down the hallway, uh, they, they picked up that ACDC article too. That's the first time that's ever happened. It's a station I grew up listening to, it's in the number one market in the country. That's crazy to me that my story went viral. And also, uh, Joe Rock, uh, you may remember earlier on, uh, we did an uh, episode of him and I kind of debating Axel and discussing Axel versus Springsteen. Uh, he also does radio, not just in Long Island, but in Florida. And he it made his morning show prep. The ACDC Alan Niven comment made his prep. That's cool. So thanks. But the real thanks goes to all of you. Because I've had stories go viral before, as I was saying, but within three or four days, this latest Alan Niven interview is the most listened to interview I've ever had in less than a week, by far. So many new listeners, many. So welcome. Really appreciate it. I like the, you know, I want to keep setting the bar higher and higher. You know, that's what I want to keep doing. And while I want to keep setting the bar higher and higher, uh, what's, what was big for me and what I found really interesting and surprised me was the content of the episode that, out of all the episodes that had to be the highest, you know, I spoke with Alan, if you listen to it, mainly about depression, addiction, and, you know, the, the way you perceive life and, you know, it got a little appetite for emotion-y. It did. But... As I've said before many times, when I first started it with this uh, podcast with Ian, I'm like, yeah, Guns N' Roses is my favorite band, but why would I want to do a podcast about them? Where is that going to go? But I keep pushing the boundaries and boundaries, and you guys seem to really appreciate it. It means a lot. So uh, what's also going to be part of Shotgun News up on the bulletin board uh, before we get to an interview with Carmen Apiece, and I'll set that up for you because it was recorded basically a week ago, uh, a day after the Super Bowl, uh, just because we just put out... I just put out like two episodes right before that. I want to not overload you too much because I, I appreciate that you spend time with me at all. I don't want to just overload you with spend more time with me. You have your own lives. You have your own lives. I'm glad that I get to be a part of some of it. So I'll read you these three comments. Uh, first one is anonymous, so don't worry about that. And plus, I also asked them in, in advance uh, to share. So again, going forward, if you want a comment of yours on Shotgun News, you know, post it. Uh, inbox me at the AFD show on Twitter or Facebook.com slash the AFD show. So anyway, quote, just finished the new show. I can't thank you enough. My oldest daughter is going through things that I felt the show could help her with. And I sent to her and I told her that she should listen and take away what she can. You spoke about where this podcast was going. Well, here you are reaching across many directions from family to uh, practically members of the band and the people uh, who were in the uh, who were the closest to them. And now you've added a self-help aspect inadvertently. I really hope this episode helps a lot of people in the GNR community and outside it like my kiddo. Thank you. Uh, I I really appreciate that. So 
uh, it's just comments like that that, that that keep me going, so I appreciate it. Uh, here is uh, another comment that's anonymous, and that's a, totally okay. Uh, I've been listening for a while now, but this past episode with Alan Niven talking about depression really struck me. I've been thinking lately about what purpose in life, uh, what purpose I have in life uh, is. Uh, 2018 was a rough year for me. It felt good to hear you and Alan talk about your situations. Thank you for a kick-ass podcast. It's one of my favorite weekly podcasts. Please tell Alan his story helped. And I did tell Alan, and that made him feel good too. So thank you. Uh, last one I want, want to read. This is from Wendy on Facebook. I originally listened to your podcast because of GNR, but find it much more in-depth and meaningful than superficial news and gossip. That's what I want to be, man. That's what I want to be, or woman. Uh, when dealing with mental illness, there is some comfort in knowing you are not alone. I agree. And that's why I, I, I still feel if Axel Rose spoke out about it, it could help millions of people. I really believe that. But uh, I've learned also not to judge people about how they process things and how outward they want to be. You know, I choose to be outward with, with this. Uh, it took me a while. Uh, it took me a while. But, you know, Axel doesn't have to. But I think if he, if he did... It would be really cool. So we'll see. Speaking of really cool, there's my transition. Uh, Carmen Apice, what a sweet, sweet man he is. 72 years old. Uh, I almost said young and old. I combined it. Uh, 72 years old. Uh, still looks good. You know, I, I complimented him on his uh, hair matching his shirt, his, red, his reddish hair matching his reddish shirt. Um, I love that he can get away with that dangly, like Mr. T earring and still look like a badass and a mustache and, and look like a badass. But that was the era, you know, 70s and shit. Uh, of course, Vanilla Fudge. Um, and as far as the GNR connection, uh, well, he's played with Slash. He, his new um, release, the re-release of Guitar Zeus uh, features a new song with Bumblefoot. So we speak about that, speak about working with Slash. Uh, just some fun off-the-topic things. You know how I am, just kind of getting to know. And I'm setting this up because, uh, like like some interviews I've done, I just like get to get into it organically. I don't just sit down and go, all right, three, two, one, and go. I just feel like that sets a certain tone. Like, oh, I mean, I'm being interviewed now. No, just ease into the conversation, just naturally, like just sitting there. You know, that, that That's what I enjoy. So that's what it's like at the beginning of my interview with Carmen. So if the audio sounds a little weird, it's just because I just had to raise some of it so you heard what I was saying because I was off mic, you know, shaking his hand and, you know, just greeting him. So it wasn't just like sit down to the mic, start talking to him. You know, I, he's been sitting in a studio for two hours just looking through a coworker of mine through a glass. So then I walk in. Uh, so I want to introduce myself. That's just the beginning of it. Hope you enjoy, uh, and I'll see you on the other side. And I'm going to tell you about some future guests. So Carmen to peace on Appetite for Distortion. Hey. Brandon. Hey, Brandon. How you doing, hey, man? Nice interview. How you doing, man? Nice really to see nice, you. Nice to meet you. Too. You too. It's a pleasure. How you doing? Do you want to arrive? Yeah, good. No, I mean, I'm from Long Island, but I just came in from Queens. Oh. You live in Long Island? You drove in? Normally, yeah. That's the mistake. I know, but it's never um, <laughs> this early. Oh, I thought they were. Happy. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I don't drive in here. My shift is later, but I came in early to talk to you. Okay, great. But no, this is a pleasure. I mean, I could have done this over the phone and stayed home, but a chance to at least yeah, okay, in person. Yeah, I got up at seven o'clock today. <laughs> Ooh, you're a trooper. 
Yeah, I know. Well, you know, my, my girlfriend was a radio chick. Oh, I, okay. She used to be on the air here, and she had a morning show. And the first time I went on her show, she put me on at 7. I figured I'm a rock star. I wouldn't make, I wouldn't get there. <laughs> I was at 6.45. <laughs> nice. You're now now we were together 16 years. Mazel tov. Yeah. You're, you're a punctual rock star. Yeah, I'm a punctual. Because uh, I have businesses. Yeah, I do businesses. Uh, I, I do real estate on the side. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm a, a flipper. I'm an HG kind of flipper. You got to come up with, because uh, all these uh, HGTV shows and have a rock and roll flipping. Right. We, we were going to do the radio chick and the drummer dude talking about flipping, but... Didn't pan, didn't pan out? Well, it was like when at the beginning, you know... Yeah, I don't really have the energy to do that. <laughs> go after something like right now. We're both going after speaking. What do you mean? Motivational speaking. Oh wow. Okay. So, you know, after doing so many clinics, a clinic is sort of the same thing. You know, you're teaching stuff and yeah. you're lecturing. So it's just a different topic. You know? Like what? What would you? Um... I like uh, how to be opportunistic. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, that's what I am. Like. You know, in my real estate, a guy called me to buy one of my properties cheap. And I said, well, no, I, I do the same thing you do. And I started talking to the guy. Next thing I know, I bought this townhouse from him cheap. Next thing I know, um, uh, I flipped a house with him. You know, now I'm doing another one this week. You know, so I, most of my stuff's in Memphis. Okay. You know, so we have... So me and Leslie got into it. So so that's how being opportunist. I turned it around. You know? <laughs> uh, another way is like in the '90s when I went out with Ozzy. I mean with uh, Edgar Winner. Okay. Uh, and do you mind talking a little closer into the mic? Yeah. If you don't mind. Sorry. Yeah, hello. Thank you. When I, I was going out with Edgar Winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we we were all dinosaurs in the early '90s. It was grunge was king. I like dinosaurs, but uh, yeah, I, I know now the dinosaurs are cool. Yeah. Back then it wasn't. But I meant stegosauruses and T-Rexes. Yeah, I like them all too. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I hear uh, you. But anyway, so when I went out with Edgar, the money was bad, you know, per night, you know, because everybody was moved down to clubs, even Ronnie James Dio was playing for him in the early 90s. He was playing like clubs, you know. Unbelievable and, uh, to think yeah, about. Was, yeah, so, so Edgar asked me to do a five-week tour with him, which is like five, six days a week. And I said, okay. Well, how can I make how can I make this work for me? You know, I think it was four hundred dollars a night he was paying, which is you know, crappy money. Okay, I'm in radio. That's four hundred dollars. It's good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, vacation. Back then, you know, <laughs> sure. Yeah, back I'm being then, silly. Coming out of Rod and Ted and everything else I was doing, so I said, how can I make this work for me? So I, I remember what I did with Ozzy, and you know, I did master classes during the day, at stores, mm. music stores. So I put together. With my video company that we have with my family, we put together a master class in each market. That paid me seven fifty for an hour and a half. Hmm. Right, so now I'm up to eleven fifty, and then I would do merch that night, you know. And I negotiated with the his manager to do merch. That's another four or five hundred dollars a night. So it ends up fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars a day, times five. I'm doing good. <laughs> so that's how I'm opportunistic. And my whole career has been like that. I know. And that's that ties into, you know, you're putting out, um, is it a re-release of Guitar Zeus? It's a re-release. The first release really here that had any notoriety. You know, the, uh, you know that, that album started out as a, what I call an aha moment. You mm. know, like when I talk, I talk about an aha moment where you, 
think of something and I was just kidding with it at first. You know, it was like, I was with this group uh, called Mother's Army by Jeff Watson, Joel and Turner, Bob Daisley and me. And we were thinking of calling it Zeus. And Jeff Watson came out of Night Ranger, got an immediate solo deal. I said, you know, I've been trying to get a solo deal for 10 years <laughs> after my 82 solo album. So now it's like 91, 92. And I said, man, maybe I should do a guitar record, you know, mm. get my friends to play on and call it Guitar Gods. And I said, no, I'll call it Guitar Zeus. I was kidding, you know? Then I went to bed that night and I started thinking, aha, uh it's -huh, a good idea. How can I do this? Opportunistic. And opportunistic. I had to not only think about who I'm going to get to play, but how am I going to put the deal together to do this? You know, in America, if you weren't a grunge guy, you wouldn't even get a record deal. You know? Right, at that so, time, sure. So anyway, I, I I spent two years looking for the guy to put the deal together. I found that guy in 1994, 90, and he put the deal together from Japan. Okay. I got big money from Japan. Each record, they did two records. Each of them cost me 100 grand. Wow. So I had a good budget, you know? So even actually, after the 100 grand, I had some money to put in my pocket. All the work I did, you know? And then- Thanks, uh, man. You know, and then in that two-year period when I was looking for the manager, I also ran into guitar players. I ran into Brian May at a music store, and he was just ran into him. He was doing a clinic. Okay. I was doing a clinic, and it was like a clinic day. So he did the okay. guitar clinic. I did the drum clinic. So he was a friend of like mine. Like a job fair. <laughs> and I said, "Hey, uh, Brian, I'm doing this uh, album with. It's going to feature a lot of great guitar players. Would you play on it?" He goes, "Oh yeah, sure." You know, and I ran into Ted Nugent. Same thing. Ran into the guys from King's X, same mm. thing. So when I actually got the deal and we actually started writing the songs, I, I found Kelly Keeling. He was a songwriter. We went to Japan in the 90s. I spent like most of the 90s in Japan because while that dinosaur thing was going on here, mm. there was nothing going on gig-wise, you know, but everything was going on in Japan. I had record deals. I had Katazu's 1, Katazu's 2, Katazu's Japan. I went there with a super group with Kelly Keeling, me, Tony Franklin, this guy Mitch Perry, but I met Doug Aldridge. Okay. Uh, by asking him to do that tour, but he couldn't. But he turned me on to the manager that got me the deal, and that's why I put Doug on the album because he was virtually unknown here in America. Okay. You know, so you know, so it was just a, that aha moment. This, I made a lot of money on this record. Tony Franklin made money. Kelly Keeling made money. We had publishing deals all around the world. And all in, the, the first two records sold about 150,000 records around the world. Everybody, but no, nowhere, I'm sorry, everywhere but here. The, the states are really weird when it comes to, to rock. And it's not even just in the early 90s. You know, you still see the, 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 the hair metal bands, for lack of a better term, were still really successful overseas or in Japan or South America. Uh, I mean, you look at the halftime of the Super Bowl yesterday, rock is just... I wouldn't even look at it. Did, did you watch that at no, all? No, usually, usually I watch only the halftime. I'm not a football <laughs> guy. Okay. You know? And I've seen some great shows, you know, on there. Bruno Mars, that's the name of the guy. Oh, yeah. Bruno was Bruno great. Bruno Mars was great. I was telling her, but I couldn't remember his name. I said, I'll remember him later. <laughs> you know, Bruno Mars was great. You know, you got Aerosmith. You got, I saw Prince on there. I saw mm -hmm. somebody great. And I said to my girlfriend, I said, so who's the uh, halftime? She goes, Maroon 5, I said, oh, I don't think I'll be watching that tonight. 
You know, so that did nothing for me. It, My son told me it was yeah. the most boring game he's ever seen. Oh, it was incredibly boring. I felt like I was watching a, a baseball game with a low score. Oh, that's funny as hell. My, my son got me into basketball. I was, okay. I was never into any sports. Okay. My son got me into basketball. We could see the Lakers and the Clippers. A friend of mine made the outfit, so I got him to be a ball boy when he was younger. Oh, cool. He, he, he went to a Lakers practice when they had that super team with Shaq and Kobe and, mm-hmm. and Fisher and all that. You know, and he got one big shirt blank just said the Lakers on it and they all signed it and took pictures of him when he was 12. <laughs> you know, so he was like really into basketball. So we'd, we'd go to basketball games quite a bit. So then one day we went to see the Dodgers. So about the fifth or sixth inning, my son says to me, Dad, this is boring. <laughs> yeah, it is. And we left. That's that's what today is like, and that ties into into the Rockets, the, the quick, the instant, the having the phone right in front of you. Exactly. But then... You are still so successful and still doing it. So how do you ride these waves, these cultural waves, these trends, and still be able to be successful? I, you, to, know, you know, it, it depends come up on with the, new ideas. It, it depends on, on the, degree, the degree of success, you know? I mean, all my stuff is not gold and platinum or anything, but it's steady. Yeah. Know? And, uh, you know, my book came out, did well. Mm-hmm. You know, they say uh, I'm in the top 5% of, of book sales <laughs> because... Most books come out, they sell 500 or less, and only 5% do more than that, hmm. you know? So, you know, so the book is okay, and, you know, I just, I just, these ideas pop in my head, and then I just need someone to help facilitate it, mostly, you know? Like what? a management, a business guy, like this whole thing, right. the Tarsus started with this guy, uh, Robert DePold, over at uh, Primary Wave, and uh, he was handling me and my brother's album last year, two years ago, and... And I told him I'm going to go get another catalog deal so so Katazus can come out and people can buy it. He said, don't give away the, the digital rights. He said, because iTunes is going to be closing. And the only way people are going to get music digitally is through Apple Music and Spotify yeah. and all that. So you want to own those rights because the label makes the money. The artist doesn't make crap. And I see from my Vanilla Fudge and Cactus and BBA royalties... You know, the artist gets point zero zero three. So you know you have to sell, you know, three hundred downstream downloads or streams to make a dollar, a penny. Unreal. Which is a joke. You know, but the record company supposedly makes money. So he said, do the same with King Cobra. I said okay. So I made a deal for King Cobra to do some live uh, a live record and some uh, past product catalog stuff. But with Guitar Zeus, you know, nobody wanted to take it without the digital. So I said, I have my own little label called Rocket Records. So I said, all right, I'll release it physically and the vinyl and the CD, and I'll release it on the, on the digital thing. And then I found one song that wasn't finished. Everything was done but the lead guitar, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what basically everything was. You know, the guitars came in, the solos. If they wanted to play a rhythm, they can play a rhythm. Like Brian played a rhythm, uh, Zach played a rhythm, you know, a few other people played rhythm, but... Most of them just came and did the solo. So when I heard the track, I said, oh, man, this is great. You know, it's in 7 4, it's really progressive, you know. So I called Bumblefoot and I said, mm-hmm. I would love for you to play on this. Would you do that? He said, yeah, I'd love to do it. You know, when he heard it, he loved it. He loved the rhythm section, me and Tony Franklin, you know, kicking butt. And he did a solo and then he went out on tour with Sons of Apollo. Mm-hmm. And then I needed some more rhythm. But uh, I said, who am I going to get to do it? So my sound, my, my engineer, 
is a guitar player. We took him on the road with me and Vinny, and uh, he's really great. He's really a great player. So I asked him to make put some heavier guitars on in the rhythm, and I need some filler guitars. So to, to distinguish him from uh, Bumblefoot, he's also mixing it. So he put himself on the right and the left of the mix, you know. And the, so you'll hear a fill on the right, and you hear a fill on the left. Then down the middle is Bumblefoot. Nice. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about Bumblefoot. He was my first radio interview ever. Oh, really? Uh, wow, it, what a I, nice guy. I met him. Uh, he is a nice guy, but I want to get to... Well, uh, when I come across it, you may may or may not laugh. Um, I went to a Guns N' Roses show when he, he was in GNR, yeah. and nobody really knew who he was. And I he came outside stage, and I knew who he was because I'm a GNR freak. And he signed my ticket. We took a picture together, and we kept up on MySpace. Oh, my and space. yeah, and uh, I was working at a radio station in Cape Cod at the time. And through MySpace, we scheduled an interview. Right. And awesome. And I had met him again, and uh, when I was doing radio up in Poughkeepsie. Now, this uh, iHeartRadio podcast is, uh, instead of just being a generic rock podcast, mm-hmm. uh, it centers around Guns N' Roses. It's kind of like a sports, we're talking about oh, that's sports. Why, yeah, that's why it's an appetite for destruction. Distortion. distortion I don't know if, yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's, a, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, got to be a little... Uh, I figured that's what it was. Okay, see? It's, well, I got two guys, and I got Slash. And Slash as well. And Slash wasn't in Guns N' Roses when he did this. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I want to ask about Slash as well. But with Bumble, it's funny because he is such a nice guy. But he won't come on my podcast because it's about, or quote, air quote about GNR. Because I guess he still has some bitter uh, feelings about be, that. Yeah, there might be. I, I don't know. I never talked to him about that. We did a, a group called Platinum Rock All-Stars, which had me, Rudy Sazo, Bumblefoot, Gene Cornish from The Rascals, and, and Jeff Downs from Yes, and a, a young singer. And we did everybody's songs, you know. And we did, we did all the three, three. We did three songs of each, three Guns N' Roses songs. Oh, which ones did you do? We did uh, "Sweet Child of Mine," uh, "Welcome to the Jungle," and uh, what was the other one? "Heaven." Was that? Oh, "Knocking on Heaven's Knockin Door." "Heaven's Door." Yeah, uh, yeah okay. right. We did those three. Very cool. I wish we would have done "Live and Let Die," because <laughs> I always loved that song. Period. Paul McCartney, right? Who did it? Right. You know. That's great. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping it, in fun. the future. That sure. Yeah, it was fun. How about working with, with Slash, though? Because that was certainly an interesting uh, well, time you know, in his life. We would, you know, it's funny enough, uh, Steve Adler, you know, the, you know the Guitar Center drum-offs that were going around? Sure. I started that. It was a Carmine Peace drum-off. Oh, okay. It's like one, one, another one of my crazy ideas <laughs> that we pulled off. And, and I did it for five years, and then I used to use the Guitar Center as my preliminary and then do the big one, mm-hmm. you know, and... And one of them, it was uh, Stephen Adler and Slash came to it, and Steve was in. Stephen was in the contest, and he didn't even win. And his mother was freaking out. <laughs> and Slash, they, he was with Slash, and I met Slash back then. You know, I don't remember them. I remember Stephen Adler because I called him Stephen Alder. <laughs> I, I remember that name, you know, and I remember like him. He's Alan Alder's brother yeah, or exactly, son. <laughs> you know? So, so when I, you know, I started meeting Slash. After Guns N' Roses, when he when he was out of Guns N' Roses, mostly, you know, and uh, it was a nice guy. And I met his, his roadie, Adam Day, he's a nice guy. So I called Adam and said, uh, I'm doing this album. At the time, I got Brian May on it. I had Ted Nugent on it. I had the guys from King's X. I had Yngwie. I said, I want to know if Slash would love to play on it. And he said, yeah, he would love to play on it. So he came in and we... 
I think he was drinking whiskey at the time. Jack, sure. Jack. <laughs> you know, so we had a bottle of Jack. We had candles going, you know. Nice. Set the and mood. They brought in his amps, you know. When he came in, it was like very moody, you know. Mm. And he played great. Played great. The song, uh, Where You Belong, it's like a, it sounds like a Beatles song, mm. you know. And uh, he plays very bluesy behind, behind the song. Then the solo was really good. Then, because I know we only have a few minutes left, what was the approach when you got, you get people like Bumblefoot slash Brian May, you know, Mick Mars. Uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's insane. Leslie West, Bruce Kulick. I mean, what was the approach when, because you have your style, but like, what did you want the Guitar Zeus album well, to sound like? I wanted it to sound like, at the time, I was really into Soundgarden. I love sound. Awesome. Okay, so, and I love Blue Murder with Tony Franklin, mm. and I love the Beatles. So I think that's what it sounds like. It sounds like all those combinations. That's a good combination. Well, me and me and Tony Franklin gave it the Blue Murder rhythm section vibe, and the the guitar tunings were like uh, Soundgarden. We had a special tuning we used, made it very heavy. You know, and then some of the Beatle harmonies, you know, like a song called Safe. Sounds just like Lennon, Where You Belong sounds like Lennon. You know, that's it's a really cool combination, but it was powerful you See, know, and I, progressive. And one of the engineers said, I need a calculator for this music. We <laughs> 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 were going 7 8, 9 8, you know, 13 8, like song with Steve Morse's in 13 8. You know, the Bumblefoot song, song Mother Space. It, lead track is in 7-4 you know and then uh, this one called Stash the solo goes two bars of 7 two bars of 8 but I never really line up the time until you know like usually hit one sometimes I I would do like every 8 bars I'd be screwing around with a syncopation and on the ninth bar I'd hit one just to bring it all back together you know so it was very creative uh, you know rhythmically and, and melodically and it's really, really cool stuff. It is, and it reminds me of that Slash record, his first solo record, when he had all the different lead singers. Oh, right. And I yeah. think to tie everything back to the beginning, it's different. Uh, it's good for today's age when maybe people aren't buying albums, but they're downloading right. singles or streaming singles, that right. you have such a variety yeah. uh, of... That was of, the idea, to put it all up there with, with new tracks that were never released, like a John Norum track, Nothing Was Never Released, this track called Angels with the guitar player from Japan because I did guitars use Japan as well. Uh, and there's uh, two two guitar players from Japan. Couldn't be better in Angels uh, and Pat Travis doing Do You Think I'm Sexy with me mm. on Heavy, you know. That's and cool. It's just a, the first album of its kind that has all these guitar players on it that are not a tribute record. It's all original stuff. Right. It's, not, it's never been done like that, you know. Well, I, I love the fact that you're re-releasing it, especially with new material. Bumblefoot's yeah. great because I love what he did on Chinese Democracy. Yes. Um, so I, I mean, I He's hope a great it, player. He is, you know. He I played on a solo album with me and Vinny too. Okay. Yeah. I hope in the future, whether it, you work strictly with Bumblefoot, come out with a, a record or do another supergroup because you, you're yeah. Mr. Supergroup now. I know he's going out with a big group this summer. I can't say who it is yet. But, okay. But. Uh, a pretty big group. All right. Well, I hope there's a Guitar Zeus uh, part two and three and four. I hope this is something that keeps going. It's a real estate business. You got to get a deal right. to, to support the expense. But if the real estate business doesn't uh, yeah. take. But I really appreciate your, your, your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. Such a nice guy. I'm hoping to speak with him more at length in the future because he is 
So many stories. He's off the air. He's telling me things about Gene Simmons, off the, off the record shit. Uh, Gene Simmons, Vinnie Vincent. Uh, he loves both of them, but uh, he's. I did ask him about Vinnie, and he's bummed that Vinnie canceled the tour. Uh, and he doesn't think it's going to happen again because he burnt uh, Vinny. That is a lot of promoters. It is what it is. But uh, but Carmine was was bummed that uh, the Vinny uh, Vinny Vincent uh, return extravaganza did not work out uh, as planned. But he was also uh, Carmine was playing me some uh, the band he manages off his phone, where the guitar sounds like Eddie Van Halen, and it's a totally new singer. Then we started talking about uh, Greta Van Fleet and, and just. It, Really nice guy. Spent some time with me, and I do have a picture, uh, some pictures up on on Facebook and on Twitter. And I asked him, like, "Hey, do you mind if we could stay just sitting at the uh, on the uh, on the board instead of just like a selfie or just holding each other or whatever?" <laughs> and so he made a couple funny faces. Just a really, really, really nice guy. Anyway, uh, that does it for episode one hundred and three of Appetite for Distortion. I do have some guests I can tell you about that are coming up. Uh, Billy Rowe is going to come on, and he's going to come on with another former guest, Billy Rowe of Jet Boy, uh, Jimmy Ashurst of uh, Izzy Stratland and the Juju Hounds, former guest. They're going to be on together. I think that's cool. Like, I really enjoyed when Roberta Freeman was on with Teddy Zigzag or Doug Goldstein was on with uh, Steve Thaxton. As a, it's not just like I'm interviewing them both. They will share stories, or one friend may ask another friend a story. Things I feel like you just don't normally get. So uh, to do that kind of stuff is, I think it's gonna be fun. You know, so that look forward to uh, whatever that's gonna happen. Uh, Billy Rowe and uh, Jimmy Ashurst, same uh, inter- uh, episode. Uh, also on the way, we confirmed it. Uh, Susan Holmes McKagan, uh, you know, su- supermodel, uh, now author. Really, really looking forward to it. Duff's wife. But I, I like referring to – she has her own identity. <laughs> Purely like when I would say, hey, I'm interviewing London Hudson slash his son. Why don't you say slash his son? Because he's more than that. You know, I don't want to – like, yeah, that's the famous tie, but I want to find out about the person other than, you know, their famous uh, family member, whatever. So Susan's going to come on uh, maybe in a few weeks. It's going to kind of coincide with the release of her brand new book. Uh, also uh, confirmed again with Steel Panther. Yeah, I want to uh, coincide that with the uh, when their album comes out. So that'll be uh, sometime on the horizon. Still try- trying for Polly Shore. I'm always going to try. I want it to happen so bad. Yeah. And as I'm recording this today, unbelievable. I, I'm recording this on the 11th. Uh, Richard Fortas. <laughs> My first... Non-brief hotel bedroom interview. My first real Guns N' Roses current member. Uh, that it's a current member interview. Really looking forward to it. That should be the next episode. Uh, Richard is a part of a new band, Headtronics. No, he's not leaving Guns N' Roses, but you know how these guys do. They have they have other bands. They can't stop touring, making playing music. So Headtronics, and also on that episode, it's going to be a two-parter. Uh, in that band as well, Freak Bass. And when I said that, oh boy, was Jeff from GNR Central excited. So he's going to co-host that one. Yes, crossover episode on the AFD show. It's The Simpsons meets The Critic all over again. Oh, and I should make this happen, 
hopefully, oh, Alex Grassi again is going to try to have Dizzy Reed awake this time and do an interview because Hookers and Blow is coming out with a covers album. Didn't he say they would never do that? I don't know. I, I don't think I'm misremembering, but that's very highly possible. So that's also on the way. Alex Grassi and, uh, and Dizzy Reed, the real version. So a lot of cool things to look forward to. You may have noticed if you're listening to this on the iHeartRadio app, you're going to hear a promo for another podcast on the iHeart app. Well, you're going to end up hearing my promos on other podcasts if you listen to those on the iHeart app. Trying to cross-promote, you know, so more people find us. It's out there. so Because the, the, the more people find us, the more people know about us, more, more pro- higher profile, more guests we're going to get for me and you. More opportunities to be co-hosts, for you to ask questions, to you be a part of a... A good show, I think. I think it's a good show, I can say that. And for someone who's battling depression, for me to say that, that's a big deal. <laughs> anyway, as far as the next episode of the AFD show, when are you going to see it? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know if soon is the word. security, I'm going home.